Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. So Sarah, you recently saw a new oncologist. Can you kind of tell everybody, fill everybody in? Why was that? I did. Uh, My oncologist retired in the time of COVID. I think he was set to leave in May, but decided to go early because Mm -hmm. everything was closing down anyway. So, okay, yeah, moving on. How did it go? The new appointment was good. I um, I felt like I was heard. I felt like it was beneficial for me to see somebody new and to kind of get into a new system and um the perk is that it's closer to my house oh hey hey that that was exactly the reason so interesting about this um i don't know how you got your first oncologist but i just got assigned to one so Mm -hmm. when you go through your surgery when you're getting geared up you see your breast surgeon first then you find your plastic surgeon, and then the healthcare system that you're with typically says, hey, this is your oncologist, your appointment's on this date. Is that Was yep. that how it was for you too? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yep. you, unlike your breast surgeon, where you're kind of trying to figure out who to go see, once you find them, they kind of take the wheel and they direct you to somebody new. So yep. um, I don't know, which is interesting because in any other relationship, like you kind of find your own doctors, right? Yeah. I think what was really wonderful about my my first uh, medical oncologist was that he he painted the picture that there, there are other people out there. If you don't agree with my opinion. If you want to go see somebody else, you are free to do that. I think he told me that no less than four or five times in my first appointment, which really gave me- I think me, he was trying to get rid of you, Sarah. Uh, yeah, maybe he was. <laughs> maybe he didn't like me, but yeah. no, he was so warm. I will never forget. He he had, like, had just come from a snack or something. He had a little bit of peanut butter on his-, <laughs> on his Stop and, it! And I smelled it, and I was like, do I do I say something? Like, why do you smell like peanut butter? And then, and then I saw it as he's leaving, and he comes back in, and he's like- I didn't know I had peanut butter on my jacket. And I, I, I loved him. He was a, oh he was a dear gosh. person. But I think I think what really gave me a calm about him was maybe, and now that I'm thinking back on it, him reassuring me that you can go see somebody else if you yeah. want a different opinion. Yeah. Um, it put my trust in him and and I was sad to see him go. So Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. now you've got your new oncologist mm-hmm. and everything, you're just off and running. I mean, you're kind of in, you're going to appointments, what, every year now? Yeah, I'm nearly. I think I'm every six months. Yeah. But I was further along in my my stage than you were. So I don't, I don't know if that, that, yeah. does that impact? I'm sure it does. It has yeah. to impact. Or maybe, maybe I was every, maybe I think I'm every year because of the pan- pandemic. Like I just, <laughs> but you're not. It. Yeah. I, I don't know. You might want to yeah. check your uh, calendar, maybe. Sarah. You're I sh- actually have another appointment Friday, so I'm good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You're covered. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think that today we should talk about how you pick a provider and what you like about seeing a provider. And um, yeah, because I think I mentioned in my in the last podcast that my husband's friend is an oncologist um, for a system out of state. And 
she was one of our first calls when I got diagnosed, and she had given me two pieces of advice. Uh, the first was to not Google, which we talked about in our the, last episode. Our last yeah. episode, why we don't Google. Um, but there was a second piece of advice, and that was to find a provider that I liked and didn't mind being tethered to for ten years. So yeah, let's let's talk about how do you figure out who's right for you? Because as we just said. Oftentimes you're assigned somebody, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stay with them, nor should it mean that you should, you know, abandon ship. So I think it's important that we kind of talk about the way different providers talk to you, how you like to communicate and what's right for you in your situation. Exactly. Before we do that, let's start with a message from one of our sponsors. Eating well can be tough, but easy. Effective nutrition can be simple with Juice Plus. It is the most researched nutritional brand name product in the world with over 40 published studies, including a study on cancer survivors at MD Anderson Cancer Center. Juice Plus contains the juice powder concentrates and oils from more than 40 different fruits, vegetables, berries, and grains, and offers a wide variety of naturally occurring vitamins, antioxidants, and phytonutrients. To learn more, contact Tina Dane by visiting T. D-A-N-E dot juiceplus.com. So we're back and we're going to talk about choosing the right provider for you. So my husband's friend says, find somebody that you like because you're going to be tethered to them for a long time. And just to provide some context on how long 10 years is. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know, seriously, I I looked this up. The average length of a marriage in the United States is 8.2 years. Oh, boy. The relationship we have with our oncologist surpasses that of a typical marriage. Isn't that crazy? It is, totally. So this <laughs> totally begs the question, how much do we need to like these people? A lot. Um, they are making decisions on your care. Um, so from the get-go, you'll probably see them more when you're seeing them through chemo and, and radiation, if that's something that you have to do. But you have to you have to trust them. I think, I think like... Um, Maybe not synonymous with trust, mm-hmm. potentially. Um, I've had providers that, you know, at, on for, upon first meeting, didn't know that I necessarily liked them, but had a built of trust, a rapport mm-hmm. with them. Um, I think that's important to note because sometimes mm-hmm. you talk to patients and they're like, I don't care if I like them as long as they're the best. Or I don't mm-hmm. care if I like them as long as I'm confident that they are a good doctor. You know, likewise, it's, you know, they're supposed to be brilliant, but... I can't stand talking to them. So, sure. you know, I'm yeah. out the door. So it's kind of interesting, that dynamic and figuring out where you fall on that spectrum. Totally. You, um, I had, I'll just tell this story now. I had a plastic surgeon that the first time I met him, I was a little taken aback. I think it was just the stress of the situation. Like, oh, I have to, I have to ha- see this provider. Like they work out dates wise for surgery and they work with my um, breast surgeon. And and I was kind of upset that I had to see this person. And now they're my absolute favorite provider. Um, Which is funny. Cause I always <laughs> joke that your bar is like super low. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> I'm just saying oh. if I had a really terrible first experience, which we all have, yeah. I'm out the door. Like, mm. see you later. And actually, this is a compliment to you. I mm. joke, but you're much more forgiving. Like you oh. didn't like this person for a really long time. I mean, it took a really long time for him to win you over. Mm-hmm. But you're you know. well. I think I asked the questions. Like I think even when I even when I left that day, people in the office could tell that I was upset or whatever. And and I said, you know, he's the best, right? And they're like, yes. And I heard it from multiple people. 
So that built of trust that I was seeing the provider that was amazing. And then what is so funny is that down the road, it ended up being my favorite relational. Which is a very good reason why even if your initial impression is not great, maybe you, like you said, you take into account other factors like the stress that you're feeling, the fear Mm -hmm. that you're feeling. You know, we put a lot of expectations on these providers to understand who we are as people, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're rushing from room to room. And I don't know necessarily that that's fair. Mm -hmm. Um, So while I'm absolutely an advocate of making sure that you feel good about the person, you know, you kind of got to look at it from both sides as well. Totally. I, I feel like every doctor's visit has the potential for them to tell me something I don't want to hear. <laughs> like, isn't that healthy? Yes. I'm like, every time I come see you, you have the potential to ruin my day. <laughs> um, and well, that's not a good mindset know, to go in with. <laughs> I know. I know. You would totally slap my hand on that. But I mean, I, can we be real? I think that's how I think that's how cancer patients feel. Am yeah. I? Do you not feel you're, that way? I mean, you're going through cancer treatment. So but even any, after. any time and, and what you have been shown and your belief in is that you went to see a doctor. They told you had cancer. You went to see another doctor. They told you had to have chemo. Like you went to see another. Like right. all of this is not the best news. Right. You know, all coming from the same source. That, that goes yeah. back to what I said in a previous episode. I, you start to attribute the bad news to the people instead yeah. of the actual disease. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not fair, but still happens. Totally. Um, so if I'm thinking that every time I see you, you have the potential to tell me something life shattering. For me, that makes me want to hear that news from somebody that I genuinely like and can relate to. Before we discuss how we figure out what kind of oncologist is right for you, it's time for Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News is a fun segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. Boobs in the News. All right. Are you ready for this? Yes. (laughs) Okay. I can't hardly read this. Two emus. Do you know what an emu is? (laughs) Isn't it kind of like a llama? Uh, No. Oh, look, here's a picture of an emu. Oh, they look like ostrich. Yeah, they look like ostriches. Got it. Don't don't they look mean, though? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's just that picture. Okay, so wait for it. (laughs) Two emus, siblings, Kevin and Carol. That's (laughs) Kevin and Carol, the emus, are now banned from a hotel in a tiny town in Australia's vast outback. Hmm. Raised by an animal rescuer, the birds are usually friendly and a wide-eyed source of entertainment. But then the emus... Learn to climb the stairs. <laughs> the new skill gave the birds access to the pub of the Yuraka Hotel yes, in Queensland. Emus in a bar. <laughs> Once inside, they unleashed a long-legged brand of chaos. <laughs> they snatched toast and French fries away from the customers. Carb loving. <laughs> One of the birds even went behind the bar. Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> A stern response was required. Hmm. Oh my gosh, I can't take it. It says, emus, this is a quote, emus have been banned from this establishment for bad behavior. A sign now <laughs> says at the stairs leading to the hotel's pub. The message asks any human visitors to replace the emu barrier when they enter. Okay. Well, this is a real problem. This is a real thing. But <laughs> this is the best part. Listen to what the co-owner said. He said, we put the sign up, but we're not quite sure whether they're able to read or not. (laughs) The co-owner said in an interview with 10 News First. Oh, so we had to put a bar across there as well. Oh, my gosh. 
I'm looking through this to see if there's anything. Oh, there, there's more. I don't know if we have time for it. <laughs> okay, well, Emu's in a bar is hilarious enough. <laughs> Should we stop? We'll yeah. stop. Okay. Kay. That's our boobs for the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. So let's talk about how to figure out what kind of provider makes sense for you. Yeah, because I kind of get the sense that you and I look for different things, which I'm sure is going to be the case for everybody, right? And another thing to think about is that, do you, I mean, I didn't even know what I was looking for, right? I mean, you're in that that haze of mm. just going, you, you're just going wherever they tell you to go. You're mm-hmm. just like trying to get through whatever you have to get through. I don't know that I had like a game plan of, or it was even a thought in my mind of how to manage my providers or how to choose one that I felt good about. So yeah, really, I think before what is funny before I got diagnosed with cancer, I didn't even have a general practitioner. So <gasps> shame on I, you. I know. Oh no, I, I still don't. <gasps> um, so, so I think what is interesting is that I had to learn, I had to learn along the way what I like in a provider um, because I didn't have any contacts from previous years. So Um, Well, I recently wrote a short ebook um, for newly diagnosed patients to kind of provide them insights that might make their journey a little bit easier. And I hope to have that up on faiththroughfire.org in the next like couple months. But one of the things I talk about is figuring out how you personally like to communicate. And if you know that, then that might help you figure out what kind of provider you prefer. Um, and so I actually outline two types of communication styles, um, relatable versus capable. So relatable communication style, um, you would use that. Um, it's used by people who love to connect with people. So the people that thrive on forming relationships. So the person who talks to you in the grocery store or the person who um, or the provider that comes in and asks you how your family is doing before they start in on your appointment. Yeah. Um, and then the other alternative to that is the capable communicator. So by contrast, they want to get right to the point. These folks tend to want to know the facts and they prefer that you give it to them straight. So um, doctors see this all the time with certain patients. They just want to know, give me the information, tell me the prognosis. And it's much more about efficiency than it is about any kind of long-term relationship. So for you, Sarah, what do you, do you relate to one of those over the other? Uh, actually, no, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm a good mix of the two. I really connect with the providers who come in and know things about my family and want to connect on a personal level. And also, I think maybe this is probably the biggest key is understanding, you know, how this affects my life and, um, and just thinks of me as a person. Um, but I also do really, really appreciate um, my husband and I come from medical backgrounds and just being able to cut to the chase, uh, you know, some providers and and everybody kind of needs different things, but being able to feel confident enough to be like telling your provider, hey, I know what's going on. Talk to me as you would like a colleague about what's going on. Um, so in that sense, I love a straight shooter and tells me the facts um, but I also on the flip side, like the relational. So I'm a good mix. What yeah. about you? Um, so I'm kind of strange in the fact that before I was diagnosed with breast cancer, I was absolutely hundred percent a capable communicator. Um, I just want to just get to the point, just tell me what's what, and then, you know, I'll, 
I'll respond appropriately. But it's strange because after my diagnosis, I all of a sudden found that it was super important to me that I had a team of doctors that I found relatable. And I kind of talk about that before. I think in my mind, you have the potential to devastate my life. Therefore, I want to like. <laughs> I want to like you. I want to like you. If that news has to come from somebody, I want it to be somebody that I like. Which I know is not the most positive and uplifting viewpoint, but no, it's totally fair. It's just how I felt at the time. So, but nobody was more surprised than I was to find out that my communication style was different in everyday life you know, than it was when I was going through cancer. So I actually changed um, oncologists after my first started our meeting with everything that could possibly go wrong. Um, In hindsight, I think she just had a style that was very direct and she wanted to lay out realistic expectations, um, which is a total capable communicator. Um, And and before cancer, I would have totally appreciated that. Um, But I just found that when it came to my cancer diagnosis, I really needed somebody that was going to be a little more relatable and a little softer. Um, so I I personally found that by seeking providers who communicated in the way that I most preferred made getting through treatment and appointments like way less stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So. It's worth it's worth taking the time to see another doctor. Yeah. I know sometimes you can get wrapped up in a, I have to call, I have to make another appointment, mm-hmm. I have to see another provider, I have to drive to a new place, I have to figure out where to park my car. Like there's lots that goes goes into seeing somebody new. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, not even to touch on the, will my insurance cover this? Like it, there's lots of stressors in seeing it, but it is 100% worth it to find somebody that you connect with. And also something that we're not really talking about today, but is worth noting is that it is a best practice to get a second opinion anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, when, especially with something as serious as cancer, mm-hmm. you know, before you start traveling down the path, because you do get rushed along quite quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we'll kind of talk about that in a future podcast. But, I, you know, there's never anything wrong with taking a time out to, to visit multiple providers and get a sense of each one. And you may find if you go see somebody else, too, that you preferred your first one. And then you mm-hmm. have the confidence mm-hmm. to move forward with that person, you know? Yeah. So sometimes it can be validating that your, you know, your first doctor was the right one for you. It's like dating. Yeah, it is you like dating. Have, you got to have chemistry. Yeah. You got to like this person. They yeah. may give you bad news. Right. You're going to have to be vulnerable right. with them. Right. Tell them things that you don't like talking uh, about. 10 years. Yeah. Longer than a marriage. Right. So yeah, I agree. I think you need to give it more thought than probably either one of us might have done, you know, when we first went through it. Yeah. So do you think there needs to be, so when I think about this though, for me, I kind of categorize it like some doctors, I don't need to worry about this as much because my relationship with them isn't as long term. Term. So mm. like with your oncologist, you're with them for, you know, 10 years, but say your breast surgeon, you know, re- I, I haven't talked to my breast surgeon since I had surgery. Did you? Uh, uh, no, not since I had. So I ended up having um, my mastectomies were split up. So I did one and then I did the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did get to see him twice, which makes me really sad because I love I loved his office. I loved my breast surgeon. He was I recommend him over and over and over again. But um uh, I I mean you know it's kind of your comfort anywhere anywhere but you're these people are going to be operating on you like you you want to like them um but like I said I didn't love my plastic surgeon when I first met him um but grew to love him well, so and also I mean aren't you more <laughs> You're more worried about efficiency when it comes to like craft, yeah. crafting your new bibs. Yes, right. <laughs> I want the best. I will I want deal, the best artist. I will deal with your attitude if it yeah. means giving me a good rack. Yes, for sure. <laughs> I did not, I will say I did not shop around for my breast surgeon. Um, 
I did end up seeing two, um, but the one that I landed in was was really actually where I was supposed to be and um, didn't get the opportunity to shop around for my plastic surgeon. He was the one that had um, that was available. Um, but I did now I've had the opportunity to shop around for my um, oncologist. And, and I can say looking back now, you know, like, would I have done things differently, shopped around for different providers um, from the get go? Probably not just because of the in the in the moment of the situation, it feels like I have to get this taken care of. It has to get out of me. Like I just can't wait. Like, and mm-hmm. I know that, that I know that feeling, and I see it in the people that I mentor. But um, yeah, it's like what's realistic, right? Right. Yeah. But I, I think I, so. Maybe we say if there's like a major red flag, and you find yourself just feeling really emotionally upset every single time yes. you go, yeah. you 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 are realistically going to have upsetting appointments. Like yeah. no matter who you have, no matter how much you like them, you are going to have moments where you walk out and it's less than ideal for you emotionally. Yeah. So maybe you just only really think about it if there's just a consistent red flag to yes. where you're like, I always feel terrible when yes. I leave here. You know, I because I agree with you. I mean, when you're newly diagnosed, you're so Oh, it Your is. Your brain is in a million places. It is. It's so yeah. overwhelming. And I'm always advocating for people to put resources and supports in place, but that's hard to do mm-hmm. when you're just trying to survive day to day. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I think, yeah, I think it is about being realistic, but it's, it's also recognizing if there is an issue that it's okay yeah. to have, you know, a standard or to, and, and really, you know, maybe it's just as much as just recognizing, like if your provider is a capable communicator, but you're a relatable person, maybe you just recognizing that Mm -hmm. so that when they speak to you in that way, you know why, Mm -hmm. then it's not personal anymore, right? So Mm -hmm. maybe just recognizing what's going on and how people are communicating is enough Mm -hmm. to kind of soothe any ruffled feathers. Is that fair? Yeah. Emu feathers. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How would Kevin and Carol feel about this topic today? break into the bar. (laughs) (laughs) They can't talk right now. They're having a cocktail. Yeah. (laughs) And you know what? I I do kind of circle back to how stressful it is for doctors. I mean, they see sometimes upwards of 20 patients a day, which Mm -hmm. isn't their design. It's just the way the system is. It can be like a wild swing from one patient room to another. To your point, you know, you want them to give you medical terminology and the next patient may be like, hey, dumb this down for me, you know, which Mm -hmm. would be me. I'd be the patient that's like, give it to me like third grade level. Yeah. You know, whereas you're more high level. And so they're not mind readers. So, you know, cut yourself and your doctor a break and kind of recognize how you're both communicating and then just share with them how you like to communicate. I mean, I think they're probably going to appreciate that. So they know how to approach you because it's probably stressful for them too. I I think it goes back to what we talked about in our first episode where we said, you know, listen to your body and listen to your gut. And and like you said, they are not mind readers. They don't they don't have time to come in there and, and psychoanalyze you about what would be perfect for you. Mm-hmm. Um, telling them what you need if you're not feeling like the doctor-patient relationship is exactly um, working for you. Just like when Eric spoke up and in my appointment and said, hey, we both have medical backgrounds. The conversation completely changed and the appointment worked out best for us. And I think your doctor probably appreciated that. You know what I mean? Yes. You know? Yeah. I, I could just see her shoulders went down like, and, and like she could breathe. And now I, I know how to talk to my patient. So talking about today, what do we want people to come away with um, in regards to providers? I mean, we kind of, we were kind of a little bit all over the map because we're saying it's, <laughs> imp- you know, like there's these different styles and it's important to like them, but it's also important that they're good at their job. And, 
inform them of how you like to communicate, but then at the same time, like you're going to be so overwhelmed. So are you really going to do that? Like, you know, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I think the big takeaway is that everybody is going to be, everybody's going to need something different. And Mm -hmm. what is a provider that would work for me might not work for you. Right. Which I think is something that just always comes out to me every time I deal with a new patient is that, and that's, why I'm so passionate about finding what your individualized needs are because we are all so different, which is what makes it stressful for patients, you know, for doctors and for the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, some of this stuff might resonate with you. Some of it might not. It's really just intended to kind of get you thinking and really just making yourself feel better about the stress that comes from, you know, finding a provider. It's, it's something we all feel and we've all been through. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you guys can just kind of take what we've talked about and, and food for thought, if nothing else, right? Before we wrap up for today, uh, we have one more message from our sponsor. Are you a talented IT professional that wants to make the world a better place? If so, talk to Technology Partners. We partner with our consultants, staff, and clients to make positive global impacts by harnessing technology for the greater good. Our revolutionary business model provides our staff and consultants higher salaries, better career control, meaningful work-life balance, and continued personal and professional growth. If you're looking to drive positive change in the world throughout your career, look no further than Technology Partners. Visit technologypartners.net forward slash jobs. Together, we are improving our world. Today, we talked about finding a provider you like. Uh, Once you've made that decision, it's time to start with all the overwhelming decisions. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Guess what? There's more. There's more. (laughs) Um, you don't have a lot of time to make the decisions that come after finding your provider and those will impact the rest of your life next time in our next episode we will be diving into all the decisions um, that will come up once you've found your provider and so that you don't feel that pressure to make that right choice right until then (laughs) 